Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Roundtable Podcast, where we interview experts who tackle the tough topics and share strategies and techniques that will help you start, build, and grow your real estate investing business. And now your host, Rob the House Guy. Hey, all I had the pleasure of recording an amazing webinar this week with Jenna Hoover, owner of Jenna Buys Houses and Real Flow's Don Fowler. I'm going to play this webinar in its entirety on the podcast today for you. We talked about how we're handling real estate investing in the new age of coronavirus. We really broke things down. We discussed how two active investors are growing their REI business right now even in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Also, we talked about how to generate seller leads and become a deal architect, which is super important to do in today's day and age, and how to find, interact with real estate investor buyers. They're still buying properties regardless of the situation that's going on in the world right now. What you can do in your local market to help people over profits and your own success is going to depend on this. I get it. People are scared and the feelings of confusion, high levels of stress for the people across the country. You can discover how you can be the one they turn to, creating a win-win situation when people need it most. Anyhow, without further ado, we're going to jump right in here and we're going to listen to this webinar. So grab a pen, grab a paper, and let's go ahead and get going. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you very much for joining. I've got two unbelievably great guests on today. So you guys are going to be, you're in store for a really, really cool call. Uh, so Jenna Hoover and Rob the House Guy Gillespie is with me down there. So uh, good seeing you guys. Thank you for joining. I, I want to get into this uh, quickly. I got a couple housekeeping items, but um, the two of you guys are really different investors in different markets, different strategies. Uh, but the cool thing is they're both striving uh, are thriving, not not uh, doing surviving and thriving at the same time. You're not only surviving, but you're thriving in uh, today's new crazy market. So we're going to do a deep dive into exactly how they're doing it. So you guys can kind of ethically uh, map what you're doing uh, with what with how they're doing it now. So sort of copying them, if you will, in an ethically right way. So um, so we're going to get into some really specific strategies. So get your mindset right. Uh, get ready to take some notes. Because, uh, again, we're going to go into some really good details. Uh, and really, you can start taking action on this stuff this afternoon. So there's no time like now, uh, even with today's market. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So a couple of quick housekeeping items before we jump in. Uh, first off, Greg and I missed last week's call. So our apologies for sure. It was due to some a variety of unforeseen circumstances. And, and that's definitely not the norm. So uh, we're gonna have these calls every Wednesday at 3 p.m., that's the plan. And I know many of you have found like a really a lot of value out of these calls. So the feedback has been crazy, overwhelming, all positive, and we really thank you for that. The emails that a lot of you guys have been sending in, it's really uplifted our entire team. So on behalf of everyone at RealFlow, uh, really, really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Even if we didn't reply to you, uh, surely hasn't gone unnoticed uh, for sure. So thank you. So again, mark your calendars every Wednesday at 3 p.m. 
be on the lookout uh, for emails from Greg about these calls. Typically, we send them Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Um, uh, but you can also visit investorshift.com at any time to register for those calls. And the registration is on the right-hand side, right in the middle. Uh, so there's a little tile there. Uh, and then with investorshift.com, just a friendly reminder uh, that we curate the articles every day. So what we do, and my team will look at all the articles as it relates to you as real estate investors, and we'll write a short little synopsis of what the article is saying and why it's important to you. Uh, and if you're like me, that's all I read is the synopsis and then keep going. Uh, but if you want to dig deeper into the article, we provide a link there for you too. The feedback button on the top right-hand side, the contribute button, uh, you guys have been using that. Thank you very much. I highly recommend all of you guys to take a look at that and, and let us know how we can make this better for you or if you have something that you'd like to contribute to our group, uh, we, we're definitely interested in that. And then finally, we have a really cool resource section at the bottom that we continue to update uh, with all the, the government type stuff. But then as, as we're shifting back into some kind of new normalcy, you'll see that resource uh, tab just continue to grow uh, as, as things change. So. First, let me introduce Jenna. Uh, so you've been a, a real estate investor for seven years, and the cool thing is she's been a RealFlow user for seven years too. So thank you for that, Jenna, that, that's awesome. Um, so I know you started in wholesaling and, re and rehabbing, and you're recently a, a now a licensed realtor, and your business has shifted a little bit. So I wanna get into that today with the group. Um, she has a really nice portfolio of rentals too. So, uh, and only one unperforming, I think. Is that right, Jenna? What do you mean? One, what's that? Unperforming? You mean like uh, vacancy? Yeah, one that's that's either not paying rent or, because all of them are, I, we talked a little bit, all of them are paying rent except for one perhaps, or are they all paying rent right now? Well, no, everybody is paying rent. We just had a couple people that we modified their payments just because, you know, they were able to pay partial and then they were kind of waiting for us some unemployment. So then we waited for the other portion. So knock on wood, we had 100% payment the last uh, you know the last pay I think it was in April and then we're we have everybody we have until the 6th before anybody's late in May but you know we've been very you know lenient whenever it comes to their their rent that, that's awesome that you're doing that and Greg and Jeff and I talked about people over profits and I know you you follow that same uh, logic so that that's awesome that you did that for the for your renter so um, the other really cool thing about Jenna she's mother of two and that's that's very cool uh but she pours her heart and soul into empowering other moms and other female entrepreneurs so uh that's really really awesome so thank you for that too jenna and really dynamic person so you're gonna get if you don't know her already uh you're you're really in store and same for rob so rob the house guy gillespie uh rob you're not a mom right I'm not a mom. Uh, so, so Rob's dad, he's a, a heck of an investor. He's a great educator too. Um, so you, you guys both have a boy and a girl, correct? Yeah. Older son, my son's in college and then I have a daughter that's a junior in high school. Well, neither one are in college now. Now they're both like studying in their rooms with uh, laptops, but they should be in college and high school. <laughs> that's me too. That's me too. So uh, I've got them all, all over the place studying around here. So, um, and Jenna, yours are, are younger, but uh, that that's awesome. Uh, Rob, you're called the house guy because he's been involved with more than a thousand transactions, mostly residential and over the last 20 years. So he's been in this business for a long, long time. So he's a wealth of knowledge. 
Uh, and right now, I know you're generating a lot of out-of-state seller leads, and we're going to go into that exactly how he's doing that. Uh, so again, you're going to really want to get in uh, that, that pen and paper out right now. Um, and you're also going to show you how how we're how you're selling those homes to active real estate investors in today's market, like right now. So we definitely want to get into that. Rob, you run the Real Estate Roundtable. It's a podcast uh, that's currently not going because of COVID, but you're gearing up for season three. Is that right? Yes, three, yeah. Hmm? Awesome. Yeah, great awesome. podcast. So you have a great guest on there, yeah. Yeah, so you can go backwards and catch up, and then by the time you're, he's ready to go to season three, you'll be all caught up. So again, that's called the Real Estate Roundtable. Uh, and the really cool thing about Rob is that He's what I would classify as a deal architect. So you can really put together some creative deals. We had a call two weeks ago with Eddie Speed and talked about seller financing and um, creative, uh, uh, just creative funding and, and really working for that win-win. When most investors, they look at a, a, at a deal and they're like, there's no way, there's no money here, there's nothing. But there is sometimes there are ways to creatively finance and creatively structure that deal so there is profit in the deal so uh you you, you come with a lot of experience with that as well so and i know that when we had that call a couple of weeks ago with eddie i mean it was just incredible so um i, I i'd like to get a, a little bit into that today uh, but let's let's jump into it so Rob, let's start with you and and how are you getting those wholesale deals right now? And uh, specifically, I'd like to go through, if it's cool with you, just kind of step by step what you're doing and 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 how you're thriving right now in today's market. Yeah, great, thanks. I'll tell you what, um, the lockdown, of course, it kind of made us all a bit nervous when it first happened. We're like, oh my gosh, because I'm the guy that literally puts 30,000 miles a year on a car. Like I drive all over the place, I'm meeting everybody at, at, at different coffee shops, I'm looking at houses, I'm meeting contractors, meeting buyers and sellers. And when this happened, I'm like, geez, I mean, I, I don't know what's gonna happen with all this, with me being locked down. And really what happened was, I got immense focus, I really started targeting exactly what I was looking for, and I started doing more business at higher profit than ever. So it worked out really, really well. That's um, awesome. So yeah, let's get into what type of deals you're looking for exactly. Well, I'm, of course, I'm looking for the motivated sellers and motivated sellers are going to leave clues. I mean, clearly, if we're driving for dollars and you're driving around, you're gonna see tall grass and vacancies and four rent signs and maybe orange stickers on the door where a properties had a preservation company show up. That's easy. But what type of clues are on public records that you can look into to see exactly who should be selling. And heck, maybe they don't even know they should be selling, but you know it. So what I do is I, it's called list stacking. It's not just looking for one particular thing over here or looking over here. Like what the old way of doing it, people would say, show me all the absentee owners. That means that their tax mailing address is separate than the house that they live in. So you say, okay, they must be a landlord or an unwanted seller. So you'd start sending them direct mail. Then you might take another one, show me people that have owned their house for a long time or paid cash, and boom, and you send them out something. Well, that's more expensive and more ineffective, and I call it the shotgun approach. You're hunting with a shotgun, just hoping you hit something. I'm more of a bow and arrow guy, especially since the lockdown, I've really been dialing it. So I'll stack that list. I'll say, show me the absentee owners, check. Then I'll say, show me the ones that live out of state, check. Show me the ones 
that paid cash and have no mortgage check, then I use RealFlow. I mean, you know, spoiler alert that, you know, I'm on here because I'm a big RealFlow user. And you can actually go in there and say, show me the ones that should be vacant or zombie check. And that will take that list of just being absentee from like 7,000 people in a zip code down to maybe 350, which is huge because they have so many common denominators. It's sort of like if you were on a dating app saying, show me a potential mate that likes racing cars and doing real estate and flying and everything else. You're like that's the perfect person for me. Well, this is the perfect seller for me. So I just bring them all down through list stacking. Cool. So when you have that really targeted list, do you, uh, do you have targeted direct mail or how, or how do you go? Do you, do you uh, skip trace it? How do you reach out to that person in a, in a targeted way or yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Now I happen to do skip trace. I, I've done some direct mail. Direct mail is fine, but especially if you get into the direct mail on a large scale, if you're not bringing it down to a very small amount and you're spending, let's say north of 10,000 per month in direct mail, which to some people might sound like outrageous, but I know people spend a hundred thousand in direct mail. Right. And when you do that, you're gonna get such an influx of calls and a lot won't be good, some will be good, but the problem is you can't be the experienced person on the telephone with them. You start outsourcing it and a lot of stuff will fall through the cracks and there's nothing wrong with that, it's a, it's a method. It's not the method I use. I like to try to personally take my calls because like you said earlier, a deal engineer, someone that can really figure what's the best solution for everybody involved because It'd be like going to a doctor and saying, well, here's kind of what's wrong and you want to hear, well, here's some of your options. You could have surgery, we could try therapy, we could try a knee brace, we could try a pill, whatever it is, but you give them some options of what might work for them and start building that relationship and that bond. And the only way that can really be done is direct one-on-one -on -one contact. So when you ask by skip trace, yes, I do. I do skip trace and then I'll reach out via text, via phone call and via social media. I'll find them a lot of time in my skip trace on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and just shoot them a message saying, hey, my name's Rob, I, I think I have the right person. It looks like you have a house over in 44102, and I own some properties over there. Maybe you and I should talk. I mean, I don't know what you wanna do with this. Maybe you wanna sell it, maybe you wanna buy some more, but we should be friends. You almost always get a text back. Hey, thanks for reaching out, man, that's great. Where do you own over there? And you start conversation, and then next thing you know, you're either selling them something else or buying theirs, or being a resource for them because no just means no for now, not no forever. No right. means, no, I don't want to sell now, but now that I've had an eviction, they stole my furnace, my plumbing. Yeah, maybe I would like to talk to you, Rob. Yeah, and that's I have a question. Much you as a trusted I have resource. a question, yeah, go ahead, if you don't mind me jumping in. You said that when you, you target people that are absentee owner or out of state, and then you said they paid cash and then either vacant or zombie, have you done them where it's, where it's not paid off? And if so, like, do they seem... I guess my question is, if they've already paid it off and they bought it in cash, are they as motivated as somebody who still has a mortgage on it? Well, it's just a different, that's a great question, Jenna, and the truth is, that is a method you can take. See, I'm looking for the person that I, if I negotiate it down to a dollar, they have the ability to sell it to me for a okay, dollar. So yeah, I just didn't know if they were as highly motivated, like I got it, you know, got to get out of it. No, they're probably more motivated, quite honestly, if they owe fifty or $60,000 on it and it's vacant and they're out of state. But then I'm either going to be limited to a short sale or a subject to deal or paying more for the property than I want to. And I run out of money and time before I run out of people that own free and clear. 
I think that's the key point. There's so many yeah. people out there that are willing, ready, able, and willing to sell their house right now, especially absentee owners. Jenna, how do, how do you uh, like juxtaposition between what Rob's doing and what you're doing in your market? Because I know it's a little different. Well, and that's kind of why I asked that because typically my list that I do, I don't do the, the paid off. I do them where they have um, a certain percentage of equity in them. And so that's why I'm learning. I'm taking notes just like everybody else is because one thing I love about Rob is that his business model is different from mine. And I feel like I'm always learning just like everybody else. And so I want to learn from him. I actually want to focus more in my business coming up on what he does just because I've already done and learned and specialized in all the other things that we do. But when we send out lists, we target, you know, the absentee. We don't necessarily always pick out of state, but we want the absentee owner that that has a property that's sitting there vacant. And so in that situation, they could be a landlord that it's just sitting there and it's not helping them. So I want somebody who's sitting there like, oh, I have this mortgage payment and I'm not getting any rent. And then what we do is we send them information out and we use like the the AI leads and mm -hmm. and I, I approach them as an investor first because like you had mentioned I'm a licensed uh, realtor in Pennsylvania so I approach them as an investor and if it's a great deal for me as an investor and Rob has actually been a, a great help for me just with his uh, knowledge on creative financing as well because we've had a lot of people that have a mortgage on them they just don't want to deal with the payments anymore and then we're able to kind of come in and buy it subject to their existing mortgage or do something creative and I've actually probably I annoyed him a lot with my phone calls just you know helping me structure some of these until I've gotten more savvy at them but then if I'm not able to buy them as an investor well it's like I take that hat off and I put the other hat on I'm now an agent so I can I can approach them I can list them and it helps me as an agent because it gives me a lot more opportunity and I'm already have my, already have my foot in the door and I don't remember the exact number it's like if you if you go into somebody's house and they're considering selling, I think it's like somewhere between 85 and 90 percent success rate of closing it as a, as an agent for a listing as opposed to somebody who who is not in the door. So if I go in there and say, you know, oh, I can't buy it as an investor, but have you thought about listing listing it? Now I have a super high percentage success rate of getting a listing. So if anybody out there is licensed and they're thinking like, man, how do I get more listings? Start sending out direct mail letters as an investor. So it's, yeah, it's great. You'll get great leads and you can do great deals, but also you're going to have a, a way better shot at getting some of these listings than anybody else because they may, these, these sellers may sit there and think, yeah, I, I didn't even think about selling it until now. So you're like literally for the first kid at, at the playground is kind of like what I like to say. So that's kind of the, the difference with, you know, what we're doing is we we're approaching them as an investor and then also um, utilizing the leads as, as agents. Do, do you have to disclose any different type of disclosure now that you're an agent? I have to, I have to disclose that I am an agent. That's just so pretty that's much just, it. So at the beginning yeah. of the conversation, as you would, as an investor, you have to disclose that I'm an agent as well, which you can yeah. use that to your advantage, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just, I mean, and it gives me more, more, I guess, credentials because they know that I would have more knowledge, I guess, compared to just any person off the street. Cause I, am licensed to sell and buy in Pennsylvania. Very cool. So Rob, anything to add to that? No, I think that that's brilliant that she's an agent as well. I know I missed the boat on that. I guarantee I could end up with a ton of listings. If I did that, I actually went to class, went through all the classes and never took the test. I decided it wasn't for me. I'd rather not disclose I'm an agent. I'd rather, I'd rather be the dumb old guy that's just in here buying a house and I don't have a leg up on the seller. 
So that's why I chose not to do it. But no, absolutely. I think it's a great. I, I chose not to do it until recently. I was doing it for seven years and was not licensed. My partner was. So we had the, the purse of him being licensed, but I actually didn't do it. And then, you know, I decided, you know what? I feel like I'm I'm more face to face and better at the sales and marketing than my partner is. So I said, I'll get my license too. Well, I know the one thing that I'm sure we both share in it is, and I love that RealFlow does this, is the, the people over profits. And I've always practiced that. And, and I know Jenna's doing the exact same thing now with her listing it. When I go in, if I'm buying your house and I'm telling you, let's call it 100000 the magical $100,000 house that probably does not exist anywhere, but it was always that $100,000 house. If I'm going to go in and say, hey, I'm going to pay seventy grand for it. And the reason I'm paying 70000 or maybe I'm going to say fifty because it needs twenty thousand repairs. Because I'm an investor and I need to make some profit on this house, and it's equity. You can most certainly list this house. You can clean it up, put it on the market, show it, and you can get that full amount. You can make all the money that I'm going to make. As a matter of fact, I'll introduce you to a couple of my realtor friends that are really good. I get no kickbacks from them. They are literally just a third party that does a good job for me, and they can do a good job for you. And I'll give you my contractors if you want to fix it up yourself. So that's how you're going to get all the money. You're giving me equity if you sell me this. So I'm probably the best of your worst options, really. But if you want just quick cash, I close, you walk, leave your stuff behind, I don't care. I'm a great person to work with. But if you need every dollar out of it, let me help you do that. If you decide not to go with me, you can shoot me calls along the way and I'll give you advice. If you get some offers from, from retail people or something, tell you what to and not to do. And I'd probably say eight out of 10 times, they go with me anyhow. And I truly do stick to my word and give them advice all the way through. If they want to sell to someone retail and maybe I'll get one of their family members later on. That's an awesome way to do it there. That's awesome. Um, it, it's some good questions coming through. It's some basic questions. So we said some things which is sort of glossed over. So let me just talk about skip tracing. First off, uh, skip tracing is when you get their, their phone number, their cell phone number, their social media information. What else do you get, Rob, out, out of that? The skip oh, tracing. God. It tells you way more than you probably need to know. And not all, not all of it's accurate. First of all, Skip tracing, there's only a couple real skip tracers out there and everything else is kind of a resale of skip tracing. Because of all the footprint we leave throughout life through registering our cars and doing things online and everything else, these companies have a way of compiling it all and giving us tons and tons of data. So when I'm looking someone up, I can find out if they've had speeding tickets, what kind of car they drive, where they live, what they owe in their house, what they paid for their house, who they're married to, who their family members are. And it's not all accurate, but it's all pretty darn close to accurate. So I go after the basic. I always like to start with just social media and I look at the person. So if I go a little bit deeper, it's kind of like the cool thing about real estate is it's insider trading without the jail sentence. So it's like you're allowed to look up everything. So if I'm looking at someone selling a house here or they should be selling a house, I'll look at their primary residency. I'll see how much do they owe on this? When do they buy it? How much is their mortgage? Do they have any pending lawsuits against them? What kind of car are they driving? What kind of zip code are they living in? What do they do for a living? It tells me if they have a degree and where they work. So I kind of start painting the picture. If some kids inherited a house and I'm looking at a probate lead that I picked up, what's the likelihood they're going to take a lesser of an offer because they need the money now versus they're an affluent family and they'll go out for the long buck? So I start analyzing that in my head ahead of time before I ever go. And the one thing getting your mind right about all of this is my thing in skip tracing, I picture everybody that if I'm trying to find someone that owns this house, I think they have a $20,000 check with my name on it. And all I got to do is find them and I can get it. If I find them, they're going to give me a check. Oh, Rob, here's your check. I'm sorry. I'm glad you found me. 
So you work that hard at finding somebody. It's not like you're finding them for a couple of dollars. You can literally make a lot of money on finding this right person for the right deal. So I just yeah. try to wrap my head around that first. And that's what keeps me focused for that whole 45 minutes that I dig someone out. Yeah, we've got skip tracing coming into RealFlow soon. So within the next couple of months. Yeah, so that's going to be cool for sure. And the other uh, big term that was thrown out was AI, Jenna. So uh, you blew some minds when you said AI. Um, there's a lot of people that don't know what AI stands for art artificial intelligence. Uh, so Jenna, I'll, I'll, I'll let you describe it, then I'll fill in kind of the details with my RealFlow head on. But how, how do you use the, the AI and what, where do you see the value of it? Well, it's kind of whenever Rob was talking about his leads and he said about like shooting with it, he said like a shotgun or something, I think he said, versus like the, the bow and arrow. Yeah. The way that I compare it is very similar to that. It's like you have all your leads that you get. And then what RealFlow does is it has artificial intelligence. It's going to figure out out of all those leads that we have, if there's a thousand leads, it's basically going to take it like almost like a sifter. And it's going to sift out the ones where it's going to look at so many different components that we're not able, I guess, as humans to wrap our brains around. Like they're going to look at the age of the house. What magazines does this person subscribe to? Does it have a porch? Does it not? Is it screened in? There's all these components based on the person and the property and the age and, and how much is owed on it for, for it to hand us almost those ones on a silver platter where it's going to say, okay, based on everything you're looking for, and then I'm combining it with the AI, the artificial intelligence, it's going to hand you the ones where it's going to say, this one has a higher propensity to sell and in the next 90 days. So you're going to look at it as like, you know, a higher um, for wholesaling or as a, you know, as a retail. So like there's different things or as like a, as a rehab property. So kind of like what Rob said is you're going to have your factors when you stack them, but then you're going to put in, you know, I want my minimum sellability index score to be a, a 500. And so I, you know, anything, you know, the smaller number, the worse it is, the higher the number, the, the better or higher quality of a lead that it is. And so like when we were setting out just, for example, our first campaign that we did, I just wanted to, I, for me to be a better product of the product, I kind of said, all right. You know, I like RealFlow, but I'm going to make sure I use this too. So I want to be a, an accurate cheerleader. And so I sent out, I think it was 57 that I sent out. And I think there, it has a feature where it's going to, five duplicates, it's going to not send two to the same landlord. So I think it was 54 that ended up sending out. And I, and I think I sent two postcards, you know, two different, you know, a postcard two different times. So my total was like only like, I don't know, 80 couple dollars to send it because the postcards are like, you know, 50 couple cents. So I spent $80 on this campaign and I had 13 calls. So when I look at that, I mean, I'm terrible at math. I'll admit that. I don't know what that, uh, you know, what that return you know rate was like as far as, you know, like my response rate is what I sorry is what I meant. So I had 54, 13 calls back. I had about seven that I weeded out that were pretty good from just like desktop analysis. And out of that, we had, you know, we went and looked at some of them. And so we had two really good ones. One was going to be, um, you know, it, it's still available. It's, it's just I didn't have the manpower to take on a, a full gut rehab in like January at that point whenever we did that. But then we got the other one we moved forward on. And it was a subject to deal, which Rod, Rob helped me uh, set up. And so, you know, I, my, payment that I pay their mortgage of 300 and I get 600 in rent. It was already occupied. So I'm literally sitting here every single month collecting 300 positive dollars for an $80 campaign that I just sent out just to like wing it and see if it worked. I mean, so it's, it's just fantastic when you look at that because 
and it was almost creepy whenever some of the people were calling back because they were like, you know, we were just sitting here eating pizza the other day. And I thought we need to do something with this house. And sure enough, your letter came. And it was like, I was like, I wish I was filming these conversations because like everybody was like, I didn't get anybody that was mean to me. Everybody was like, thank you so much for your letter. It came at the perfect time. Yeah, it's been sitting here vacant. Yeah, we've been thinking about like, it's everybody that could have, you sift them all out and say, here's your top 13 or top seven out of this list of a thousand that would have been worth your time. And it did it all for me. Yeah, that's a great explanation, Jenna. We should definitely get you on the payroll somehow because uh, I don't think <laughs> I've ever explained it that well. Um, but just to fill in uh, a couple of things real quick, and then I want to get moving on to education. This is not a pitch by any stretch. Um, I, I get your I see your comments coming in. Um, but we, we what we did was we have a, over 136 billion data points. We just shove it into a artificial intelligence uh, machine learning where it actually is like a genetic algorithm and it looks for correlation. So that person that you saw, they may have fallen in the same 30 situation or 30 categories that somebody did three years ago and that the system realized, hey, this person needs to sell their house. They may not even know that they need to sell their house yet, um, but but we can see we just correlating what's happened in the past and we map that onto what's in the future and it really is cool. Uh, it's It's eerie. Cool. So, uh, and the amount of data that's out there on you as an individual is shocking. Uh, it's, it's really frightening, actually. So, it, let, let's move on. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Let me add this in there. I, I'm going to be honest. I was a skeptic when I heard about this whole AI. I'm like, man, I ain't believing that stuff. I don't care what they said they came up with over there. They can't figure it out like I can. And I went through and I looked. And when I do my list stack and I figured out, I have the scoring on mine and I look. And son of a gun, my scoring, it is like I picked what they picked. I'm like, I don't know how it works. I cannot tell you hardly. It's You guys are lucky I'm on this webinar. I can figure out how you can turn my computer on to do this. And that AI is spot on with what I would yeah. figure out on my own. It's cre it is creepy. The word creepy is a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. So, um, and all of the, the, the stuff that we just talked about is in real flow. So the list stacking, I see some of the questions coming in through the list stacking, everything but the skip trace, and that's coming soon. So um, uh, let's get back into, into the talk that we started here. Rob, one question I had for you is, are you seeing the conversation with your kind of tired landlords that you're trying to buy properties from? Has that conversation changed in the last six weeks? Or is it pretty similar? Well, here's how I describe landlords. I, I love talking about landlords because a landlord is like water. It's very rarely stagnant. It's always moving. You're very rarely going to find a landlord that says, I have three properties. I do not want any more, and I do not want to sell the ones I have. I'm extremely happy with three, and that's it. Usually you're catching a landlord on the way up where the landlords are all saying, yeah, I want to buy as many as I can or they're burned out, like Jenna's individuals, I love that story. Hey, here's a house that generates 300 a month. You can have it, just take it. Like that individual that's like, I'm done. I don't wanna to talk to my tenants anymore. I've got bad blood or whatever it is. So I always have the same conversations with landlords as you're saying, right now it's not changing anything. There's gonna be some people that wanna free money up during the COVID crisis. And there's plenty of people that are scared of the stock market and wanna put money into the real estate market. So. As a wholesaler, as a middleman, basically. It's 3.30. It tells me what time it is every 30 minutes. <laughs> Keep me on track all day. Um, but as a, uh, a wholesaler, it's not gonna change. Whether if I make it, if I'm buying something for 20 and something for 30 making 10, 
or if I'm buying something for 40, some for 50, I'm making 10. So we're not really moving during this whole COVID crisis. It might scale, but we're staying with our same margins in there and just different buyers and sellers for different reasons, but it still works. And I didn't think I mentioned this at the top, but you're in the Cleveland market, correct? And that's where you're buying most everything? Correct. And anything that I'm saying, you, I would have to adjust a little bit. If I was in Arkansas or something, I would Sorry. adjust like in Jenna's market where she is like the cash queen in her market and there's not a bunch of cash buyers out there. So she goes for the people that have mortgages on. She's not trying to wholesale as much. She's doing more retail. You just have to adjust for what your market is. But the cool thing is public records tells you exactly what your market is. There's no guessing about it. You know what it is. Yeah, Jenna, anything to add there? No, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm from Southwestern Pennsylvania. So I just don't have a lot of investors where I do investing. And so, you know, whereas he's able to wholesale to a lot of different investors, there's not a whole lot of investors here. It's great for me because it's kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. But when I go to wholesale to somebody, I have a great deal. And it's like, I guess I got to take on another rehab project because I don't have, you know, and it, it makes it tough because I don't have the manpower. Just like I said, with those two really great AI leads, it, it, if I can't buy it, it's just going to sit there and, you know, because it's I'll just they'll just wait for me because there's not a whole lot of investors that I can wholesale it to. So it's just, that's how I kind of got overwhelmed in the beginning is I took on way too many projects too quick. So I didn't have anybody to wholesale to, but I didn't want to let them just fall the wayside. Now it's just kind of like, oh, I'll get to it. If I get to it, I get to it. Otherwise it just sits there and I'll just get it cheaper later. It's a good problem to have. It's an <laughs> unbelievable problem to have. So uh, hopefully there's no one on the call in your little neck of the woods here, Jenna. It's hopefully there is. You know, I know, right? You have somebody to work with. <laughs> yeah. So, Jenna, has your conversations changed uh, with any of the home sellers or any anybody that you interact with over the last six weeks? Have those conversations changed, or have you seen people more motivated than maybe before? Um, I mean, in regards to being a, an agent, I see that there's a lot of people that want to buy. And I don't don't quote me on this entirely because I'm not 100 percent sure. But from what I was reading yesterday, I think Pennsylvania is still the only state that is not a, that's still in red. This we're not a lot. We're not open yet for any real estate transactions as far as like showing houses as an agent. Um, I know that some of the other areas are, are we're not even on the radar in my in my county to even in the next two or three weeks to even start showing houses. So we have a lot of people that I just feel like you're like revving up your engine, but we can't do anything. I can't show anything. So one of the things that I've really kind of transitioned with is like, if we have houses that typically my partner lists our houses because, you know, I'm the sole proprietor of the business and then he lists them as the agent. So he, it's like kind of not as, as biased if I'm the owner and the agent. But one of the nice things that I can do is five houses that are finished, I'm just going to start for sale by owner listing them because I'm going to be able to show them as an owner, but I can't show them if I was the agent. So it gives me kind of the first shot that I'm not a lot of people are listing houses right now because you can't have an agent go list it for you. Well, just so happens that I can list them, you know, on for sale by owner and I feel comfortable that, you know, I'm, I'm, I know that I would be properly represented because I'm, I'd represent myself probably pretty good. And so mm -hmm. I can, you know, list them and have people have opportunities to buy them, whereas they can't even look at any other houses but mine now. Yeah, that's cool. And the, the really neat thing with an agent is you also get buyers in too that come to you directly. So I know you had a buyer uh, during this COVID situation. So can you just describe um, that buyer and, and how you found them a deal and, and how you 
managed to to close on that deal during during the, this COVID situation? Yeah, they actually they reached out to me through some of my Facebook marketing that I do. And so they contacted me and they were looking for a particular house and I showed them a couple, some of the ones that they were interested in, but I saw one that hit the market on, you know, on a certain day and I said, "Hey, this hit the market. This is seems like it it would be what you would like. I know it needs some work. It's a foreclosure." And they were like, oh, "I don't know if I feel like fixing anything up. It's going to be work. We want something that's easy and move and ready." And I said, "Just just go look at it. Just, you know, just work with me here. So he showed it to them and they're like, man, I, you know, it's, it's a great property, great structure. And it, it's not very old. It just needs some cosmetic stuff because the people that lost it to the bank took everything with them, including the kitchen and the flooring. And so it just was beat up. I mean, and the water shut off. They took this too, of course. Um, so they just had some damage and had some cosmetic things. And I said, well, if you're interested in this one, I know some great construction people. And so as an agent, I'm not able to show houses or do anything now. Um, they were kind of grandfathered in because they had their contract in place. And so we were still able to close that that uh, property. But since I'm not able to have that additional stream of income as an agent, now what we kind of transitioned our business into is almost like a construction consultant. So what I'm able to do is I have my contractors working and my contractors are still you know, hungry for work. And now I can kind of add more construction people to my team and I can have them uh, start doing some work on some other people's projects. So these people are going to have me, you know, we're, we're doing, you know, full job on this house. You know, it's going to be a you know, pretty extensive renovation project, but it gives me the ability now that I don't have to feel like, you know, my agent commissions were just like additional an additional stream of income. You know, we have our rentals, we have our rehabs, we have other things that we do. And so being an agent was kind of like, I like to call it like my target money, you know, like that money where you, you don't have to worry if you want to get new curtains, you can just go to Target and you use your Target just, money. Just get it. So, yeah. so, you know, since I'm not able to do much as an agent, I've shifted now to be more of that construction consultant. And honestly, like since all this has happened, I feel like, you know, everybody's, you know, upset because of like, you know, loss of income and things like that. I just feel like you just have to evolve. You have to shift. You have to figure out. You know, if I can't make money here, how do I do this? If I if I know this you know, avenue, how can I transition that? How, how can I leverage this skill that I have? And so I know rehabbing. I, I know sales. I mean, I did medical sales for seven years before that. So all you have to do is just be the solution to somebody's problem. And they have a house now that needs work. And I you know, I know the, the best HVAC person. I know the best electrician. I know the best, all these different people. Like you can go and figure it all out and, you know, stumble along the way, or I can protect you with the appropriate documents and paperwork that you're going to need. And, and I can make sure that your material is discounted at the 35 to 40% off that I get it at. And I'm able to, to make sure the contractors are there every single day at this time and that things are checked off. Plumbing is checked before you pay them. So it's a huge benefit and a value to the people that we're working with. And so like we've really, and, and now it's been like an eye opener. I'm like, man, this is way more lucrative than doing that agent stuff, you know? Yeah, that's, so it's, that's funny, huh? It, that, yeah. It took this to to see a big opportunity sitting right in Absolutely. front of you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's something that Greg and, and Jeff and I have been talking about is really finding that niche or that specialty that you do and partnering with other people in your market because I think it's really gonna, we are shifting, you you use the word and it's called investorshift.com, our site that we're uh, seeing this this whole market is shifting right now. Rob, go go ahead. I see you. 
Oh, no, I'm just listening. I think it, it's incredibly important to have multiple streams of income. I mean, you know, I've done tons of general contracting in my day as well. The only thing I'm not, I'm not the licensed agent, so I don't take advantage of that, which you call it target money. And quite honestly, I think it's a six-figure income without even turning it up a little bit. You'd be making 100000 a year just as an agent, just, just tweaking a little bit. So it's way beyond target money. I mean, it's pretty impressive to go out there and put that many deals together because you have so many different angles that you can make money. And, you know, and the transactional engineer, I would not be where I am today of doing so many deals for so many years. I think this would be my 24th year coming up in a couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I was a one trick pony. If all I did was saying I buy houses at 60 cents on the dollar and I resell them retail and that's all I do, I might be at, you know, 80 houses in 24 years. Yeah. So it's because I can do so many different things and I understand real estate and finance and construction. And you have to do so many things in this business. You have to literally, you have to understand mortgages and finance and accounting. And you have to understand construction and understand negotiations and buying and sellings. And you have to be an agent in your mind. You have to be an appraiser. You have to know it all to really give them exactly what they need. It's kind of like, again, going back to being a physician right now, the healthcare workers are in front of our minds with all that's going on. And can you imagine going to a doctor and it's like, I'm the doctor you go to if you want this pill. And this is the pill I have. And this is the only pill I have. I hope it works. No, they give you a multitude of options. And that's what we have to do as investors is give them a multitude of options. And for us to give a lot of options, we have to have a lot of data. And that's what public records allows us to do in compiling the data, looking through it, and then sorting it in our minds and making sense of it. And that's how we make our money and get paid. Yeah, exactly. So Jenna, the one question that, that's coming in about your, your talk there, how are you exactly compensated as a construction consultant? And I know you use that word specifically, but yeah, how does that I work mean, if I, you don't mind us asking? Yeah, because I'm not like the, um, I wouldn't consider myself the, the general contractor because I'm managing that that guy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I want to be managing this person, that person. All, and and it this fee is, is totally up to you guys. I mean, it, and it's all based on what your time is worth. But the way that I look at it and, the, you know, my kind of my minimum requirement is 10 percent of the overall um, project. So if it's going to be a forty thousand dollar rehab, if it's going to be a fifty thousand dollar rehab, I mean, 10 percent. So, you know, it can be from you know four or five thousand dollars. And the way that we typically um, budget our time, we usually say that we can do uh, say that I have a forty thousand dollar rehab. $10,000 a week is how you want to kind of budget your time. So if, if it's 40,000, I feel like I can finish that in four weeks. And it's, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it may not be exact it may be quicker, maybe a little bit less depending on what your, you know, what your scope of work is going to be. But I mean, I'm sure that most people would be excited for an extra four or $5,000 a month just by just overseeing and i know that sometimes people think like oh i want to start building better relationship with contractors i want to start getting better prices but i'm nervous to like promise them that i can give them five roofs this summer i'm nervous that i'm going to have consistent work for them well guess what go leverage somebody else's money you know somebody else is paying the contractors i'm not somebody else is paying for the material i'm not uh, i mean so somebody else is doing all those things i'm just basically the middleman that's saying you're doing it right you're doing it right that's a good price i agree with that i'd pay them i'd pick this color i mean i'm walking through you know i may be walking through a store and say i recommend this light. i don't i don't like that material this i've had bad experience with that i mean that is a huge value to somebody that doesn't understand but like kind of going back to what rob was saying about you know like 
all the different things that he can do in real estate. That's the one beautiful thing about real estate because everybody's always, you know, as soon as all the whole Corona stuff happened, it's like, everybody's like, oh, are you so nervous about real estate or how, how have things changed for you? Is it, is it, I'm like, Hey, it's just, I just pull up this sleeve and now, you know, it's like, I have this, this skill that I can do. It's like, if wholesaling is not going to work, I can rehab. If rehabbing doesn't work this month, then I have my rentals. If rental doesn't work, I can be an agent. If being an agent, like, so you, the beautiful thing about real estate is, no matter what happens in the economy or a pandemic or whatever you are so knowledgeable with all in all the people that we have available to us that there's so many different avenues it's like we can't just get i feel like you can't stop us because we learn how to shift in two seconds and figure out i can dominate in this over here or i can and, and to me it's like a huge eye-opener because it's like holy heck this is way better than my target money you know, and, and I wasn't focusing on that. I was just like, it, you know, being an agent was just a benefit. And if I got leads and things like that, great. But, you know, my primary focus is rehabbing and in our rental business and other, you know, some other things that we do. But, um, you know, being an agent was like, you know, some some bonus. But now this is like definitely going to be way better. I can say this. If we ended this webinar right now and nobody had anything out of it, I can tell you it was worth my time being on here. Because what you just described is construction consulting, which is a new word that I heard. General contract is one thing, but construction consultant. I do that all the time for tons of yeah, people. Get paid for it, is, Rob. I don't get paid. Yeah, I, just, I, go, I go, hey, here's my construction guy. Here's this. Mm -hmm. So everybody that's listening to this, if Rob's your construction consultant, add 10% in for Uncle Rob on the next one. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> move. I'm gonna, I promise you, I'm buying new curtains at Target because of that line right there. I'm a construction <laughs> consultant now. I love it. <laughs> I have a contractor friend that I've known for 25 years plus, and he's just coincidentally uh, has started your business, Jenna. So he will uh, find the buyers and find a, basically a house to renovate and go buy that house. They, they buy the house and he does the renovations and he makes a ton of money and he has no risk on that. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's a great model. Jenna, knowing what you know now, would you become an agent first? Or would you start investing first? I mean, it's like the, what do they say? Like the chicken or the egg. I mean, they're both fine. I think having having my license is great just because it just gives me like some added perks. But I don't feel like I have to have my license to get started. I feel like, um, I feel like I was, it was easier for me to get my license because I've already pretty much learned most of the stuff along the way. Like, and I, I feel like as an agent now, I didn't really need a whole lot of training for my brokerage to get me up and running because I, I know what the next step is. I know, okay, we have the inspection then we have the appraisal and what we need these documents. Oh, we need to have the final walkthrough document, especially right now. Like while we're all our brokerage, they're all we're locked down. I mean, I can't get in there. I mean, I have a key, but you know, we're not open. So it's not like my broker is sitting here hand holding me and telling me like, okay, you have these three closings coming up, make sure you get this document and that one. I know that that document is required, so I feel like it was a, it was way easier for me to to get up and running because I had the real estate experience. So um, I mean, it doesn't take much to get your license. I mean, in Pennsylvania, it was like I don't know, 60 hours of one thing and 75 of the other. I mean, it, it I did them you know two evenings a week for a couple weeks, and then you go take your test, and it's you know 50 bucks or something to take your test. So I mean, it's it's not that difficult or you can do them online, like do them online, but it, it, 
you know, it, it gives you great knowledge on either way, whichever you start. If you start with one first, if you start with the other first, each of them will help you kind of ping pong the other, uh, the other industry. Perfect. Cool. So, so we've talked about finding deals so far. I want to transition on funding deals. And then finally, uh, how do you sell the deals on the back end? So, so we talked about finding a lot already. Uh, for the people that came in late, we're going to ha have this recording later. Um, so, so you can catch up on that. But let's talk about funding now. So I, I, I know that you guys do it a little differently. Rob, why don't I start with you uh, and talk about your transactional funding and, and the other ways you fund deals today. And has that changed at all for you specifically? Yeah, I mean, everything's changed in the last couple of weeks with money. It's it's definitely um, switched around a little bit. Um, first things I look at is it, everything we're doing here is just a tool in the box. So your money is a tool in your toolbox. So you have to look at what are you using it for? What is your end game in this? Are you gonna keep this long-term as a rental? Are you going to get in and out of this in six months, 12 months, or six hours? So that's gonna first determine where you get your money from is how long you're gonna have it out. The cost of the capital is not nearly as important to me as the availability of the capital. Because people will get so hung up in interest rates between 9% or 20%, but if you're gonna have the money out for three or four months, who cares? It doesn't really matter. I mean, you're gonna be making you know $30,000 and what they're gonna make 1,800 instead of 1,400, it, it really is irrelevant at that point. So and wholesaling, we will once in a while do an assignment of contract. We're doing an assignment of contract next week. We're gonna close on one, but it's like a $230,000 deal. So we're not gonna go bring money in to close that and resell it. We can if we have to, but we prefer not to. Um, I self-fund some stuff. Sometimes I bring in um, transactional funding. Just depends on how many deals I have going. Right now, I think I counted last night, between things we're sitting in our inventory, we have in contract, or we're in the middle of selling, I think we have 36 deals going right now. So we're in some various stage of those. So if a lot of those start popping at one time, I'll be bringing in transactional funding. If everything's a little bit slow right now, I might be the transactional fund door. Right. So, you know, that's how we're doing it right now. Yep. Jenna, how about you? What, what are you seeing out there? As far as lenders? As far as you're, lenders, have they tightened up? LTVs changed or not loaning at all? Or what are you um, seeing? I mean, I haven't really seen a whole a whole lot. Like the difference that I'm seeing, like when it comes to traditional banks, like the the government loans have changed. Um, their guidelines have tightened up a whole lot. Rob and I were actually talking about this. I don't know. We're on another webinar or doing something. We we're maybe we just talking on the phone, just like FHA guidelines. You know, we had people that scores were allowed to be here credit wise, and you know now they just brought them up. So you know, like that's one thing that. I'm not nervous about it because I'm sure that once things level out, things will level out with them as well. But you know, when they change the guidelines and somebody has to have a hundred points higher of a credit score or 80 points higher, then that kind of weeds out some of your buyers that you're going to be able to have. But when it comes to our, our lenders, I mean, everybody seems to be, you know, pretty, pretty consistent with where, where they've always been. And, and kind of times like this, I'm not saying that you want to really take advantage of the situation as far as like people that just lost money in the stock market, because I personally know what it's like back in 2008 when I lost half of my retirement in, in the stock market. But the people that are sitting there that did lose money in the stock market, this is kind of like that perfect opportunity to remind them like, hey, 
you know, you can take that money and you can roll it into some sort of like a self-directed IRA and lend on my real estate deals. And it's secured by a mortgage. It has a promissory note, your loss payee, there's a lien on the property. You're the first lien holder. So I can't sell the house until you get paid. So it's a, I'm not saying that it's way more secure, but I'm just saying in that situation, you could lose half of it in the stock market or you can invest it in mine and Rob's deals. Yep. Hey. Exactly. So, and, and RealFlow, we have a funding component too. Uh, we have a, a new one coming out in a couple of weeks. So um, really money should not be your problem. It really shouldn't be. So uh, if it is, uh, then, then let's definitely work on that because there's lots of opportunity out there. Uh, especially right now, believe it or not. So, um, if I can say this real fast, let me just, pop, yeah, let me just put one objection in that. One thing that I always tell people about money is there's all the money in the world for a good deal and not a dime for a bad one. And quite honestly, sometimes hearing the word no is your best underwriter in the world because if you're talking to experienced individuals and they're saying, eh, I don't think so, you should look at it a little bit closer because they're saving you for making a bad decision even if you were self-funding it. So ask some experienced people if they would put money in the deal and they don't care about your credit. They don't care about a lot of things. They just want to see, is this deal going to make sense if we make money on it? And if they're all saying yes, it's probably good. They're all saying no, you should probably run. Great addition. Thank you for adding that. that that's key. And you said, a, a, you said it all right there. So a, a great deal. Funding is going to be easy for you. So um, buyers. So uh, let, let's talk through buyers. Rob, let, let's start with you again. How are I know you've been doing this for a long time. So so what does your buyer network look like and, and how do you manage that? I really pride myself in being an off-market guy. I try not to put a lot of stuff, especially MLS. No offense, Jen. I'm not a big MLS listing type person. But even putting it out there to my list and putting it all over Facebook and Craigslist and everything else, I try to have more personal relationships that I know that this is what this person buys in this certain area and I drop them a, a live phone call. And let's face it, my buyers list is probably 7,000 people and I probably sell the same 25. All, I mean, over and over again. There's all there's a ton of tire kickers. So right now, especially more than ever, nothing wrong with wholesalers, love wholesalers, I'm a wholesaler. And I don't mind dealing with wholesalers, but you have to let me know that that's what your intentions are, is to sell it and how you're going to do it. So I don't wanna give you one of my properties and let you tie it up in contract to send to your list when I'm not even sending it to my own and then hopefully sell it. If you can't, you just live me holding the bag. So I talk, if you have a direct cash buyer or you have the cash to close it, we're in business. But you can't just go market the property because I can market it myself. And I just look for people that really have the ability to close cash. And just, I get, I don't go real crazy with bank statements and letters and all that stuff. I just ask them flat out and I take people's word for it. And I just say, just don't lie to me. Tell me the truth. We can all make some money on this deal. Let's just figure out how to do it. Yeah. Jenna, how about you? What, uh, when you have a property that you're ready to sell, what, what do you do in, from your agent hat on now? Well, and I don't always go into it with being an agent just because like, I mean, for example, like my first deal I sold, I found my buyer in seven hours on Facebook. I mean, we, I've probably sold, I mean, I can't even count how many properties just by, by marketing and on Facebook. And yeah. we don't do a whole lot of Craigslist because that gets a little sketch these days. But um, I mean, we do a lot of stuff on, you know, a couple of different sites. I mean, I market them, you know, on Zillow. So, um, but when it comes to 
doing anything when it comes to like, you know, on the MLS, I mean, I'm, I'm particular about the pictures that we're taking, but you know, all we do is we've kind of built a brand over the last seven years. So our properties typically have the same tile, the same, this, the same, that it just, people have seen our houses over and over again. So they know what the quality of the, that they're going to be. And so it's just, do you like the location is going to be the only, you know, variation or the only factor. So if somebody know if they think, man, I really like that house, you know, too bad it's sold. Well, here's going to be another one coming up. So we, you know, we always keep our buyers list. We know exactly, um, you know, what somebody's looking for, beds and bath, and you. That's why it's good to put them into your, um, into your buyers list within RealFlow. I mean, like we have a house that we're working on right now. It's not going to be done for probably a couple months because it's a huge, complete gut job. It's the oldest house in our area that we have. Um, it's just a fantastic project. But you know, we're not going to be done, like I said, for a while. But I've had my buyer for two months now, and they live in Georgia. So, I mean, it's just people that follow you and that's why it's like always so important to always be posting your, your projects, like letting people know who you are, what you do, how you do it and sharing some of your finished project. It's like, it's almost like your, your online credibility packet, like your online portfolio so people can see the progress. And some people will say like, why do you post pictures of your house? Like when it's, you know, and when it's demoed, well, I want people to see behind the walls. I mean, I want people to see the quality of our work. I mean, if I put in, you know, insulation, that was an expense. So I want somebody to see that, that it's there. Not that it's a sexy picture with insulation and studs. It's just because I want people to see the quality. So it's just, it's just, here's the price, here's the location, and you know what I do. So do you want it or not? And then we put it on the MLS because we want to use it as a comp or we want to continue to build our agent portfolios as well. So, um, I mean, we have a lot of different avenues of what we do really use it as a marketing tool for future deals too and future buyers but all of your buyers Jenna they're are they're, are they all retail do you ever have a wholesale deal ever yeah we have we've had wholesale deals okay and so I mean like and we're also like learning a lot more about like creative financing stuff so if I'm buying something subject to then we're going to be able to start doing some creative things where we may be qualifying somebody else and that's Rob's been helping me with that so he's been um when it comes to rehabbing, I mean, that's my specialty. When it comes to all marketing and all those things, they're my specialty. But some of the creative type of stuff that Rob has done in his 24 years, since I'm not even 24, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but the, the experience that he's had, I'm really starting to just be a sponge around him and just like, you know, he said like, no deal is a bad deal. It's just how, how do you figure out how to structure it? You know, kind of like you said about Eddie's speed, it's like, you know, he's able to take something where somebody else would just kind of throw it out and be like, yeah, that's, that's a garbage deal. And these guys are going to say, no, like we can still, every call is going to be monetized in some way. So, you know, we're starting to focus more on that just so that we're not leaving anything out there. Yeah. Perfect. So if you're starting brand new, so let's uh, imagine you don't have these years and years of experience. Uh, Rob, I'm going to start with you, but how would you cultivate a buyer's list quickly? Uh, I love the word buyer's list because I get blown up all the time. People ask me, Rob, can I put you to my buyer's list? Great. What are you selling me? Well, I don't have anything to sell you. Well, don't put me on a list. Clearly, you already have my number. Clearly, we're already talking. So I kind of already on your list, but you have nothing to sell me. So when you have something to sell me, call me. So again, the best deals in the world will generate your buyer's list. Like I'll take once in a while, I will drop some little nuggets out there, some um, bait, because each type of house is going to be a different type of bait. Kind of if you're fishing for a shark, you're going to use red meat on the end of a hook. You're you're going to use a minnow for like a bass. So it's the same thing. If I'm putting an inner city rental property on Facebook, 
which Jenna, you are so right. Like Facebook Marketplace is crazy for selling houses. I mean, probably because it, it takes the scam ability out of it because they can just look at your profile to see if you're a real human being or not. People and, are lazy uh, too. They don't want to go to anything else. They just want to look while they're looking at somebody's like, you know, their ex-girlfriend's cat, you know, and like, and just scroll and be like, oh, let's look for a house too while we're there. But go exactly. on. So like I'll put a, like later on today, I'm going to put a couple of Cleveland rentals out there on Facebook Marketplace. I will literally probably have 40 people hit me by tomorrow morning. Well, out of all those, because I have a handful of those, I can start sifting through. I start with on Marketplace and I say, hey, just shoot me a text. I'd rather communicate on there. So now I know who they are in Marketplace and I have their cell phone number. And then I start going, hey, I can email you something over there. So now I have their name, their cell phone number, and their Facebook profile. And I start building my list off of that. And it's basically off of one thing that you have in contract. Now, a lot of times I will not put the address on there because that's what it, wholesaling is a gray area sometimes. If I just have your house in contract and I start acting like an unlicensed realtor, that's frowned upon by a lot of states. So I'll put, hey, I have a three bedroom, one bath house that brings in 650 a month. It's on the west side of Cleveland. Give me a call and I'll just put a picture of one of my houses up there. That generates the calls. Then we'll get into specifics on it. They start asking for address. I go, well, I'll make sure you're a real person first and let's have a conversation. And I start building that relationship that only I can do versus sending it to a third party call center to do. It's not gonna be the same relationship. So inside of a week, I could build a darn good buyer's list if I was starting all over in any town USA. So the key to finding money and to find buyers is to have a great deal, right? Yeah, exactly. Starts with the deal. Go, go ahead, Jenna. Jenna, can you give us a little bit of a different take on how you would generate, let's say you've got a property right now, how, how do you generate new buyers, assuming you're starting from scratch? Well, kind of like what he said, you know, you can market them, you know, online on, on Facebook marketplace, ask other agents or ask other uh, sellers that are in your area, ask them, you know, and, and one of the beautiful things about uh, real flow is, is the, uh, the power matching. So what you have to do is just put in your property and you, if you don't have anybody within your buyers list, you just click on that and it's going to show you all, you know, 35,000 real flow users that have the buying criteria that meets the exact information or the specs of your particular property. So then you can you know, sure contact call. those people. Um, your, your phone keeps yelling at us, but it, it gives us the ability to, you know, to, to market to those people that maybe you never even knew of before. Um, one thing we always do is we, you know, put banners or signs on our property that, that it's like a four by six sign that's going to, you know, say our information, our phone number, our contractors, they're like drilled to like know exactly what to say. It, you know, we just had a house that we're working on and my contractor, you know, just said, hey, somebody drove by and they said they were interested in the house. It's not even done yet. And, and they know, take their information, give them my information. And so a lot of times, like, I mean, that's exactly how I found a, a bulk of 15 rentals is there was somebody that drove by, saw work going on, stopped in and said, hey, do you, uh, they thought it was somebody else's renovation project, but my contractors were like, hey, but Jenna buys houses. And so they got their information for me and I ended up buying 15 rental units from this local landlord because, I mean, you, you get so much opportunity from the work that you're doing, posting online, people love to watch renovation projects. So if you're posting before pictures, after pictures, during pictures, buyers are going to start watching and following your projects. And a lot of them, we have our buyer before we even finish just because they, they've been watching their house. They feel like it's their house.
Yeah, that that's awesome advice. And I love that both of you guys are on here because you are different. You know, Jenna, you're do, doing more finished work where Rob, you're doing more wholesale deals. So that, that's good to have both of your opinions there. Go ahead, Rob. You know, it's funny is, you know, I've been a real full user probably for six or seven years, just as you have. I've never messed very extensively with that power matching. And I know it's a powerful tool. I'll teach and you that, just like I, I did with AI. That I'm like, why don't I use power matching? It's like I almost forgot about it. Yeah, it's kind of like this. It's like having a washer, a washing machine. I know like, I don't know how to probably turn mine on anymore, but you just hit like start and one thing, but there's a gazillion settings on it. There's a million things you're supposed to be able to do. I just heard everything on high, longest time start. That's what I do for microwaves, for ovens, for anything. And it's the same thing with real folks. There's a million buttons on there. I don't use half of them, but my gosh, I wonder how much money I'm leaving on the table by not using power matching now that I'm thinking about that. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, I want a tutorial on that later. <laughs> I know somebody. No Jen, Jen is, yeah, Jen will take care of that. Um, the other thing in RealFlow, not to make this a RealFlow commercial, but we also have active cash buyers, and you can sort on transactions in the last three months. So you can find who's actively buying homes in a certain zip code, or you can draw a little polygon, or you could do the whole area, your your whole marketplace. So there's a lot of data sitting in there that you can leverage immediately. Once, but to Rob's point have that deal in hand before you reach out to them. You're just wasting their time without the deal in hand. Yep. So you, there's buyers out there, trust me. Uh, there's plenty of buyers out there right now in today's market. Uh, and you've just got to match the numbers up. Are, are you guys seeing any, I know you, you're both in kind of rural markets. I'm down in South Florida and our market is, is definitely shifted downward instantly, like five, 10%. Uh, there, it's it's gone down from a wholesale point of view. Rob, I see you trying to jump in. Go ahead. No, it's like it's like I said here. So not not much. So it makes me excited about Southern Florida though, because next year my daughter's a junior. When she graduates, I will be I'll be your neighbor down there, awesome. and I keep telling my wife, I go, I go, I want that market to plummet in Southern Florida. I need it to be cheap when I get down there because it's high right now. Um, <laughs> here, not so much anymore. Right now, we're still doing okay with. I mean, I can't say. For Jenna, I do stuff in rural areas because I live about 45 minutes outside of Cleveland. So my rural areas, I'm like Jenna. I'm in like the only player in town. There's no one to wholesale to. If I buy it, I take it retail. But there's no one really competing against me either. Cleveland, it's still a very saturated market. I'm not noticing any downturns. The only thing I'm noticing is that all my buyers that were buying on private money, they're gone. And I'm only selling the true cash buyers now, the people that have real liquid money in their bank accounts. So it hasn't started driving it down yet, but I'm not saying it won't. Yeah, Cleveland's an interesting market. Uh, I mean, short sales, that's the reason RealFlow started in 06 because short sales were a big deal in 06. And everyone, I remember talking to Greg, I'm like, this is stupid. Like short sales is such a tiny little segment of the marketplace, you know? And sure enough, in 07, 08, and then, and then we are fast forward today, we've got, over 100,000 users, and we're much more than just a short sale platform, but that really elevated us. And Cleveland is that market that is just a, kind of a blue collar, hardworking, and the market just stays flat like this. Well, it's funny you say that. I remember Greg when he was just one of us out here flipping houses in the Cleveland market with Ambrose Properties. And yeah. then all of a sudden I heard about this crazy thing called short sale manifesto. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> short sale manifesto? What's he talking about? I, I, I talk to my buddies like, what's he, is he writing a book or something? And then short sales became like the hot button. Like I knew what short sale was before it was talked about on the news every day, like Greg did. 
But then all of a sudden it became just a part of the world's vocabulary with short sales. Right. And um, yep. it was never, we never had a real estate problem. We had a banking problem. And that's the same thing we're going to have this time. If there's any sort of glitch in this market, it has nothing to do with people wanting to buy a house in Southern Florida or in Cleveland or anywhere else. It has to do, can they get the money to buy it? That's it. It's a money problem, yeah. not a real estate problem. Yeah. Jenna, anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely with that. It's just, and I feel like if, if we have issues with selling any of the houses, then we need to shift again and figure out maybe our, our buying criteria needs to change. Like if I'm focusing on, not, you know, $200,000 after repair value houses, and I feel like I have maybe one of two people that can actually buy it, well, then I need, I need to shift the way I'm buying and I need to rehab more in the 120 or the $80,000 price range. So I need to start shifting like nothing really has knock on wood has changed too much as far as like the market right now in my area I, if, if it if it will change I, I expect it to be like august september that i'll start seeing like the today's issues affecting there because i still have people buying and selling right now because of you know it's it, it hasn't really hit this down like this time frame that, it, that we've been sitting stagnant Yep. But I, I feel like if, if something does change and things aren't selling as quickly, then I'll have to just shift again and figure out, all right, I need to focus more on the $80,000 after repair value houses and not 130 or not 150 or this $200,000 house. Yeah, it's going to suck. I have to figure out what I have to do to try to get rid of this one and sell it with as, as little damage as possible. But you know what? That's because I bought it back when things were different. And now I have to make sure on my next purchase, it's not going to be like that. Exactly. Yeah. Shifting is the key word there. And that's what we're all doing right now at this moment. So, Rob, you were telling me about a deal yesterday. And um, I, I, can you go through that again for, for me personally, actually, because um, <laughs> and for everyone on the on the call, because I think creative financing and creative deal structuring is going to be really, really critical for all of us uh, in this new normal. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Take, take it away. I'd love to hear about this again. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I'm in the middle of, I think, 36 deals right now in some stage of either ownership, buying, or selling, and everything has a different element to it. So when I'm talking to somebody, I look at, if you have the will and you really want to buy the house and I want to sell the house, now all we have to work out is some sort of way that it makes sense for me and makes sense for you. Right. And it's not necessarily just you writing a big check, especially with right now, because even people that have a lot of money, they want to hang on to some of the money. They don't want to let it all go because... We all have the fear of the unknown, like what if things are going to dry up in the next couple months or something, which I don't feel they will, but people have that fear. So like, I have a deal going right now that we had bought, and a gentleman owned it inside of his self-directed IRA. Well, he had went through a divorce, kind of given up on life, and just didn't pay the real estate taxes on it, and it had a real big tax bill on it, about $22,500, $23,000 in a tax bill, and it was getting ready to go into tax foreclosure which clearly with the COVID thing, it shut that down, no tax foreclosure. And I had used AI and I built a custom Facebook list off of uh, RealFlow and um, we did some Facebook marketing and it brought a wholesaler on. The wholesaler let me actually- just interrupt you. Let me interrupt you real quick, just so everyone knows what he's saying because his questions are gonna come through instantly, I know it. So, so just let me clarify what he just said. So he uses the AI list and then he exports it out of RealFlow as a, Facebook custom audience, he uploads it into Facebook, and uh, we match about 75% on average of just, we just have the addresses and the owner name, and we can match that to their actual profile. And now Rob, you're 
uh, serving up ads in their newsfeed. Is that And there's training that? on that within the training. Yeah. Just so everybody knows, there's specific training on how to do that because I'm terrible at technology, so I need a step-by-step -step guide. So it's there. And listen, and I know how to tell time, but I can't tell you how my watch works. So I'm just going to tell you this that go. Yeah, sorry, one more thing real quick on the training because I don't want to I just know these are coming through. So um, the training is completely free. You can get a free account at RealFlow, realflow.com, and uh, all the trainings are opened up. We did that for you guys uh, for COVID, with everyone staying at home and get some education. So that's all opened and unlocked for, for everyone. Go ahead, Rob, sorry. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to go watch some of it then. <laughs> but yeah. but um, so I got I got the calls in. And ended up getting this call, and we, we ended up taking the house over, and we actually closed on it, took it out of the IRA and put it into one of our holding companies, and that was one that I lightly put out there on Facebook Marketplace. I built my buyers list by probably 200 people off of that ad. It was so simple. I just said, hey, look, I have this house. It's a three-unit, non-performing. You cannot get inside of this house. This house is going to be, I took the pictures personally. I talked to the people personally. They want to stay, but they're not paying right now. I'm not bothering them during the lockdown. And you can't go in because I'm not going to disturb them on this. However, these are the legit pictures. It's in a redevelopment area of Cleveland, and I want $19.9 for it. Well, my phone blows up. So, well, I should say my Facebook marketplace blows up. I say go ahead and text me, then I get on calls with some of the people. So here was the how I positioned this. I said, look. I want 19,900 for this house. There's 23,000 in back taxes on it that you have to take, but you can work out a payment plan with the county over 24 months on those. So that's all on you. If it, you cannot go in, but these are the pictures I took, the thing should be bringing in $1,700 a month. You're more than welcome to use my attorney if you'd like to do the eviction, or use my lease agreements to get them on track once it opens back up, but that's not an option. If you wanna walk through and you wanna untrack, it's 99,000 bucks, I'll stick it on the MLS. Now the $20,000, I want you to write me a check for it. And the individual that bought it said, well, I'd like, you know, I'd like to not spend that money because I'm gonna have to clean it up and do this and that. And I said, do you have $5,000 that you can put down on it? She said, yeah, I can do $5,000, that's fine. I want a premium because I'm gonna carry you. $5,000 down, $20,000 mortgage, I don't need any payments on it. I want it to balloon out in 12 months. In 12 months, it balloons out. So work on your payment plan, work on getting your tenants paying. In 12 months, I know I have $20,000 coming to me on this. I get my $5,000 now. So I'm already 5,000 ahead. So now my 20 grand, I go, I know things happen. I know you get nervous. What if you can't refinance? What if you can't get the money? What if you can't sell it, whatever. So up to a five year period, every six months, you can extend that and still owe me the 20 grand, but you can extend it for a $1,500 um, extension fee. So after 12 months, if you don't wanna give me 20 grand, no problem, give me 1,500 bucks, leave the 20 grand on there and just keep working it. So they're very comfortable and they're taking over a three unit that should be making $1,700 a month. They're gonna work out a tax payment plan. I'm in first position on there. I'm gonna be listed on the hazard insurance on there. And they're doing a full closing, be listed on title insurance on there with my note and mortgage. And I have 20,000 bucks sitting in the bank right there, giving me $3,000 a year as interest if they don't pay me off. If they do pay me off, great. If they don't, that's okay too. I'm happy either way. But it was a win-win situation for everybody to do that because they're in with very little bit of money. 
I'm making plenty of money on the deal. The tenants aren't under a bunch of pressure to let a bunch of people through right now, and it should go well for everyone. That's awesome. How did you structure that deal from a legal point of view? Did you do it yourself? Did you have an attorney? Uh, who did you work with to structure that? I'm, I did it myself. I mean, I just wrote a purchase agreement. I said it's $5,000 to $20,000. I wrote all the terms down in there. We're actually going to closing probably on Monday or Tuesday on that. Actually, right before the webinar, she just texted. I, I've talked to the title company today and title works back. Everything's good on it. Um, I'll draft my own note and mortgage on that just because I've done so many of them and I have them on my computer and I can plug and play it. However, you can get an attorney to do it for probably a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it's very simple. And all I do is, out because my buyer is actually out of town with an in-town partner. So what I'm doing is, I'm I'll just take that note and mortgage and everything, and I'll just email to the title company and have them put that in the closing package with the remote closer. They'll get it all signed and notarized for me, send it back, record the mortgage, give me a uh, a lender's policy on the title insurance, so I'm covered in there, and then I'll just put the note in my file and. Good to go. That's really cool. I think that those kinds of deals and those kinds of structures, they're just going to grow more and more as time moves out and as institutional lending gets a little weird. So yeah, uh, yeah uh, that's got to be a tool in your tool belt for sure. It, it has to be with creative financing. Jenna, anything to add there? No, I, that's I think like even to take it a step further, I mean, and you structure these type of thing, things and there's so many other investors that are out there and say like, man, I wish I could be in your shoes in that spot in that deal and just collecting that paycheck. I mean, taking it a step further and then just selling that whole entire thing to another investor. I mean, there's even, there's just so many creative ways of things that you can do with that. Yeah, I always say bring it down to just normal <laughs> business. Forget about real estate and it's just a normal business. And any business, you have what's called cost of goods sold. If I'm manufacturing a telephone, even though Apple's charging me 1100 bucks for it, they probably have $200 into building it. So they have a cost of goods sold. But when you're taking over a subject to deal with having your know, back taxes is what you're taking it subject to, your cost of goods sold is zero. Exactly. You, know, you, don't have, you have no cost of goods sold, so your return on investment is infinity. If you sell it for $10, it, it's $10 out of thin air, basically, other than your time that you have to value of how many hours you have into it. But to get, take $5,000 up front and then to make $20,000 in another 12 months, that's $25,000. Now, in full disclosure, there was a middle person in between there that got in touch with me that I paid $3,500 out to in full disclosure. So I did have a little bit of cost. I'm already $1,500 to the positive with a $20,000 note on there. So I really hope my buyer is watching this live right now and it blows my whole deal up. <laughs> I don't care. I'm, I'm making money. They're making money. We're all happy. Exactly. <laughs> it's a proverbial win-win for everyone involved. So uh, cool. I, I'd like to wrap it up soon. One thing that I want to make sure I mention immediately is that this entire call is going to be recorded. It's going to be on investorshift.com. And Rob, it's going to be on your podcast, I just learned. So uh, so they're going to do the full episode on your podcast this coming week. So, oh, that's uh, exciting. Subscribe to that wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, so are you on the Spotify network too, Rob? I'm not a techie guy. I don't know. I do the okay, podcast. Um, it's on a roundtable. I can tell you this, that everything we do on there is 100% full content, no sales pitch. And I ask the tough questions to the investors we have on there, the things that what works, what doesn't work. Jenna's been on there sometimes. I know she's a real player in the game. I only put real players on there that 
you can really learn from. So it's a great podcast for, you know, the infotainment section. Okay, cool. Cool. So uh, Jenna, any, any parting words that you'd like to, to, to leave us with? No, I mean, I just think that this, this current time in this industry is all what you make it. I mean, there's a, uh, a picture that I'd actually shared on my Facebook where it has this horse where it has this thing tied around its neck and it's tied to like a plastic chair. And, you know, the horse just sees itself tied up and it just doesn't see past that. And I just feel like that a lot of this current time, like, and, I, and I'm not, if somebody's out there watching or listening and they're going through a tough financial time, like I'm not at all trying to negate the fact that some people are struggling and, and this is a tough situation, but it, it is going to be what we make of it. Like we can sit here and we can, you know, just keep our fingers crossed that somebody's going to come bail us out or find the solution for us, or we can find them for ourselves. And I, I feel like that that's what's going to separate all the other investors out there. Like the days where it's hard and days where it sucks, that's a day where everybody else quits. So you can decide if you want to be like everybody else, or if you want to be that, that small percentage of people that actually, you know, overcome it and they get better and they learn. And it's like, you know, when you, when you break your arm, like that part of your arm that heals is always going to be stronger than every other part of you. So, you know, we can sit and we can just say, Oh, this is unfortunate. Oh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but how can I use this to my advantage? How can I benefit from this situation? How can I grow from this situation? I'm surrounding myself with positive people and people that are knowledgeable and you know, like surrounding myself with people like Rob, where we're always like, you know, pinging questions off of each other. Like I may know RealFlow user interface better, but he knows how to structure a, a specific, very awkward situation of a deal better. So we always are surrounding ourselves with each other and trying to get better and trying to grow from it. So my advice is just not to quit. And it's, things suck. But I mean, I mean, how many times when we were growing up and we were learning how to walk, like, did we learn how to walk on day one? No. How many times you smack your face off a coffee table and skin your nose up, but you got up and you kept trying and somebody held your hand and it got easier and it got better. And then you're running. So it's like, otherwise we'd be sitting here laying in our bassinets whining, waiting for somebody to do it all for us. Uh, I will say, I saw that post that you put out there about the horse had the plastic chair. And um, my daughter actually, you liked it, it, yeah. I love that. I stole it as my own, by the way. So you'll see me repost and act like <laughs> I created it. But that was amazing. And, you know, if one thing I'm going to say is I don't care how long you've done something or how much you think you know, you don't know everything. I learned stuff on this webinar from Jen on this. I'm telling you I did. And the one thing, limiting beliefs will paralyze you. Limiting beliefs, you will just not take action and you'll think you're so set in your ways. And I just went through this. I had one of my investors called me. And she ended up buying this property and it was in a complete rental neighborhood, something that I've only ever sold rental properties there. And she just wanted to sell. And I was like, well, I'd probably put a tenant in there and just sell a thing off 35 grand, be done, make your money. And she goes, no, Rob, I think I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to rehab this and I'm going to sell it retail. No one buys retail. That's crazy. It's a two bedroom in a D area that I'm just, it's a rental neighbor. I'm sorry. So she had 30 into it. She put 11 more into it. She texted me on Saturday morning. It went live Friday evening. She goes, Rob, I have multiple showings today. By Saturday night, she texted me, full price offer at $79.9. Sold for someone with a good credit score, with a good solid loan in place, and there's no reason it shouldn't close. And I would have never done that. And I'd have left tons of money on the table. So I started rethinking. I'm just like, wow, what kind of limiting beliefs do I have? And what's holding me back from making money in different ways right now 
because I, I got taken to school last weekend. I can tell you that I'd have never done that. So my my biggest takeaway was that, and I'll just say this: that nothing works unless you do. Uh, perfect advice for both from both of you. Thank you guys. It was an unbelievable call. I know I learned a ton. The feedback is just crazy good. So thank you guys so much for for doing that today for our entire group. Um, the name of that podcast. A lot of people are asking the Real Estate Roundtable. Right, Rob? Yeah, REI Roundtable. Yes. REI REI Roundtable. REI Roundtable, yeah. I keep messing that up. Okay, I'm glad. Awesome. I'm going to actually, so if you just stay on the call, uh, I'll put that in the, the main chat so you can have that. And the other thing is investorshift.com, S-H-I-F-T. I am not cursing on the call, investorshift.com. <laughs> so, uh, so that's where uh, the call is recorded. Our, all of our old calls are recorded. I highly, highly recommend that you take a, take a look at those, especially if you're looking still at PPP or EIDL money. Uh, there's a lot of good calls on that as well. So uh, again, thank you guys uh, for taking the time out of your days and really, really us. appreciate it. It was awesome. Great experience. Thanks for having us on. Yeah. Thank you guys. All right. You guys have a great day. And thank you again for everyone joining the call. Uh, go out and do now. So so now. go get that deal under contract now. That's where it starts is the deal. So you've got all the tools. You've got You've got everything you need. Go. So. Yep, that's my Absolutely. advice. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Take care. Wow, that was some powerful information. It's always so great to talk to Jenna. I can always learn something new when I apply this stuff that I'm hearing every day to my own business, no matter how many years I've been doing it. Listen, guys, don't forget to check out investorshift.com. This is an amazing real flow publication to help investors navigate during these crazy times. And guess what? It's totally free. So there's tons of articles, tons of videos, tons of video resources. Just check it out. Investorshift.realflow.com. And if you like this content, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and stay safe out there, my friends. Because guess what? None of the stuff works unless you do. This episode is brought to you by RealFlow, the smart way to invest in real estate. All the tools you need to automate lead generation and marketing. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave us a review and subscribe.